When I first met his mama She was just 19 Couldn't say for certain Who the father was But I have known him since he was a pup And I'm gonna raise him up If you never knew your daddy Like I never knew mine It feels like everybody knows your father less This boy may not be blood of mine but I'm gonna raise him I'll provide for him Walk beside of him I am strong enough Cause it's time he knew What a son can thousand years ago when he held a newborn baby he named Jesus he said he may not be blood of my blood still I'm gonna raise him I'll provide for him walk beside up.
That's what God the Father did with God the Son. Three days in the grave, abandoned by the world. But God the Father said, I'm going to take my Son and raise Him. Raise Him back to life. And it changed everything. We celebrate it today. We've been celebrating it for 2,000 years. It's what gives us eternal life, salvation, forgiveness of sin. But before that, somebody else said, I'm going to raise him up. Not from the dead, but raise him from infancy to adulthood. And it wasn't God. It was just a man, a normal man, a, an ordinary Joe, a regular everyday Joe, picked out by God for the special task of raising him up all those years, loving him, nurturing him, caring for him, protecting him, so that that boy could one day do everything that his father in heaven destined for him to do. We're in a series of messages we're, call, we're calling Lessons Learned. We've been looking at lessons we've learned from men and women throughout the Bible. We've applied them to our lives. But on this day, Father's Day, I thought there's no better person that we can learn lessons from than the stepfather of Jesus himself. And the lessons we learn from him, they are applicable to everybody in the room, man, woman, child, adult. Let's look at him right now. Matthew chapter 1. It's the first chance we have in the Scripture to see this stepfather of Jesus, this man named Joseph. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. But because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, would you underline that in your notes? A righteous man, underline it or circle, or circle it and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly, and we'll talk about what that means. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what was conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgins shall be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did. Would you circle that, please? He did, or, or underline it. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do, and he took Mary home to be his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. From this one event, and from another we're going to look at in just a moment, the most obvious lesson I see that we can learn from the life of Joseph has to do with courage. Has to do with courage. What was so courageous about him? Well, I've got four things I want to talk to you about. First of all, Joseph showed courage by living a righteous 
life. I had you circle that, did I not? That he was a righteous man. He was a man of what we call moral courage. And it takes unbelievable courage to swim upstream. It takes courage when you are in the minority to live a life for Jesus, despite what everybody else is doing around you. Now, in the days of Joseph, there were religious people. Certainly, there have always been religious people, but many of them were corrupt. We know that from Jesus' encounters with the Pharisees. Many of them claimed to be religious, but, but were just kind of doing what everybody else did, materialism and, and corruption and all kinds of things. But not Joseph. Joseph was a just man, a righteous man. He wasn't that old, but he was doing his very level best to live a life that pleased God. And because he was living a life that pleased the Father in heaven, he was emulating his Father. He was more and more becoming the kind of person that every child would want to have as a dad. He was growing in it. Righteous. And I want to salute all the dads here today. And I'll salute all the moms, everybody here today who has a place in your heart that says, you know what, it doesn't matter what other people do. It doesn't matter what I see. I want to live for God. And I know it's going to cost me a great deal, but I want to do it. It's my heart's passion, my heart's desire. That moral courage stands out. It did in the life of Joseph. And I think maybe that's why God chose him. God knew I'm going to need somebody who's got courage coming out their ears because what I'm calling him to do is not for the faint of heart. Joseph showed courage by not responding in anger to what was happening around him. He had courage, first of all, to stand up to the culture. And that takes courage. But he had a second kind of courage, and that was to stand up to himself, to stand up to what was going on inside of him. Now, when Mary became pregnant, it must have been a terrible shock to Joseph. Terrible shock. Back in the days of the Scriptures, when a man and woman were going to get married, they would have a a ceremony that was a lot like a wedding ceremony we have today, But they did not right then move in together and become man and wife in the sense that we understand today. They would have this wedding ceremony, and it was kind of like we would view an engagement, but it was much more than engagement. It was actually a a, a vow taking where the vows were said, and I'll be faithful to you and you alone. So they had this, and then Joseph would build his house, work on his house. Mary would prepare herself. And then finally at a certain point, it could be a year later, they would move in together as, as man and wife. But the, the vows were binding upon them. So when they made those wedding vows, Mary made a pledge. She would stay faithful and, and, and not be involved with any other man. So she goes to visit Elizabeth. She comes back later. Joseph's working. And as he shows up in town, she's obviously pregnant. Now, there's some anger. Can you imagine with Joseph? There's hurt. There's pain. 
all kinds of things, disappointment, betrayal. And he could have given in to it, and we all can. You know, there, there's situations in life where people do us wrong, where something happens that lets us down. And that feeling, you know the feeling, it just starts rushing up and there's anger. You can give vent to it. You can let it out. You can blow up on somebody. Or you can have the courage to respond, not to react. The courage to say, I got to step back. The courage to shut your mouth. The courage to walk away for a little bit, to, to, to spend some time reflecting and praying, and then going back and responding in a proper way, in a godly way. And I wonder if that doesn't take more courage than anything else we do in life. He could have given in to his anger. According to the law of Moses, he could have had her murdered, stoned to death for what she did. You did that to me? Look what I'm going to do to you. She's, she's betrayed me. She's sinned. They would have stoned her to death. He didn't do it. The Scripture says he found a way within the law to divorce her privately, and we don't really understand 2,000 years later how exactly that worked, but it's clear that it was the least option he could have chosen. It was the least option that would have hurt her. The, he didn't want revenge. He didn't, he didn't want to do that to her. Now, you can't help feeling anger, and I can't help feeling it either. And it's not a, a sin to feel anger. Of course not. It's an emotion, like joy, like all kinds of things. We cannot help it, but we can help how we Respond. Scripture is very clear. Be angry and sin not. Be angry and sin not. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. James 1, 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Joseph showed courage, number three, by accepting God's assignment for him. God's assignment for him. Now, I can't say this for sure, but I'm pretty confident that when Joseph was 18, 17, he didn't dream his life was going to look like this. He dreamed he was going to marry a young woman from the village. And they were going to have their own children together. He had a whole different dream of what life was going to look like. He didn't dream that this was going to be his lot. He didn't dream that this was what God had for him. But it was God's choice for him. God's choice was, take for your wife that woman who's pregnant with a child that's not yours, and then assume the anger of the village that going it's going towards her take it on because you're going to have to bear the shame with her spend your life in that little bitty village where everybody's gossiping about you everybody's saying you know oh she got pregnant before they you know before the time and look what happened and we don't know everybody's going to be doing that you stay in that village you can't leave you can't go to jerusalem the big city and hide this was god's will for him stay there man up protect your wife, deal with all of it, and raise that boy. Raise that boy. Raise him up. 
Teach him everything you know. Put your arm around him. Protect him when people talk about him. I don't know what assignment God's given you in life. We all have dreams, don't we? I had dreams growing up. I grew up, as many of you know, in a home where my father was an alcoholic, but I would come home from uh, school, and they would have the reruns of Father Knows Best on television, and I'd watch them all the time. I'd sit there and stare at Jim Anderson and his wife and their three children, Bud and Kitten and Princess, and I'd watch this wise man. I know it was all acting. I know it was all television. But I was leaving for a while my life and going into that life. And my dream was, I want that life. I want to marry a woman like that. And I want children like that who, uh, who always obey and respect me and love me and are easy to get along with. I want that kind of life. I want a life like that. I don't know what kind of life you wanted. I don't know what kind of assignment you would have chosen. But for some of you, it's turned out a lot different, hasn't it? For some of you, it's turned out very different. And the assignment you have right now is not the one you chose, but it's the one God has for you. I love showing that video earlier. The assignment God had was to raise that boy up. The assignment from God is one you have to accept and say, this is where I'm at. This is what God's given me. I'm not going to focus anymore on what could have happened on the past, what went by. I'm focused on the assignment I have right in front of me, and I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm going to give it all I have. My assignment right now is my grandchildren. I have four of them. They're my assignment from God. And you know what? It's hard to be a granddad. I don't know how to be a granddad. We never lived as, as a child around my grandparents. They lived far away. My dad was in the military. So we'd see, I'd see my grandparents once every other year, maybe once a year. I, uh, I, don't, I don't know how grandparents do it. So I'm having to learn to be a grandparent. It's quite an assignment. How do you do it? Well, you keep your mouth shut most all the time. You don't give advice unless they ask for it. And even then, you're very careful what advice you give. And you try not to let it show on your face when they're doing things that you think they shouldn't do. I mean, it, it, the role of switching from dad to grandparent, it's challenging. It's wonderful. It's an assignment from God. Take on whatever assignment you have right now and do it with all your heart. And finally, Joseph showed courage by protecting his family, protecting them. Do you remember when the wise men came and brought the gifts to Jesus? This took place about two years after Jesus was born. Jesus was about two years of age. And after they left for that visit, an angel of the Lord came to Joseph. Here's what it says in Matthew 2. When they had gone, the wise men, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. 
And he stayed there until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. It takes courage to protect those that God has given you responsibility for, to protect them. And I wanted to make this practical for many of you that are parents right now, grandparents. So bear with me if you don't have children right now, but let me back up for a moment. Some of you don't have your own children, but you're an aunt, you're an uncle, you're a mentor. This is going to be helpful to you too. So let me give you real quick six things you can do that give a child a sense that he is safe, that he is protected, that the world is not going to hurt him, that he's got people in his life that are going to make sure he's okay. Six things. The first is prayer. You pray daily for the children that God has given you responsibility for. And you'll be amazed at the sense of safety and security that produces in their life. It was said of Jesus that he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and in favor with man. I prayed for my children, and I still do to this day, that same prayer every day. I said, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that they grow today in wisdom. God, help them to do well in school. God, give them wisdom at work. Give them wisdom how to relate to other people. God, I'm asking for wisdom for them. And then I said, Lord, I pray they grow in stature today. Lord, protect them physically. God, God, help them to grow strong and tall and not get in accidents today. And then, Lord, I pray they grow in favor with you today, God. God, they grow to love you more. God, they grow to know you more. And Lord, I pray they grow in favor with men today. In their, in their work, they get promoted they, 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 and do well in school. A simple thing, wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man. But I prayed it every day. I pray it now every day. I think when you do that, they feel secure. I prayed it out loud with them when I drove them to school. And now I pray it with them when I'm not with them. But I pray it. And then second, comfort, comfort. Get down on their level and let them know that you care even about their smallest hurts in life. To give them a sense of being safe, let them know that you care. Oh, what happened? Oh, it's so bad. It's an owie. I'm sorry for what happened. I'm sorry for what took place. I'm here for you. How can I help you? Comfort. You give them a sense of protection by giving them clear boundaries. Clear boundaries. It's a scary world out there. And without boundaries, it's even more scary out there. Boundaries help them feel secure, help them feel like they're protected. They're staying within a place where mom or dad or aunt or uncle or whoever, grandpa, knows they're safe. Clear boundaries. You give them a sense of protection by being an example to them. When you're one way at church and one way at home, one way when you're at work, one way when you come home, they feel so unprotected. They feel it's chaos going around. They feel like like you can't count, almost like the door turned into the mushroom and then the mushroom into the door and their whole life is Alice in Wonderland. But when you live consistently 
before them. They feel safe. They don't feel like they have to walk on pins and needles. You're the example to them. And then awareness. You give them a sense of protection by being aware of what's happening in their life. When my kids were young and they would come home and we'd have dinner at night, by the way, we would eat dinner every night around the table. Can you imagine that? All sit down together, all eat dinner together. And uh, there's a whole lot to be said for what can happen around that dinner table. But one of the things that I'd always do is I would not ask them, what did you learn today? Because their answer would be nothing, exactly. Or I didn't ask them, what happened in school today? Their answer would be absolutely nothing. I asked them, who did you sit with at lunch? Who? I sat with Frank or Bill. What's going on in their life? Well, I, I want to know who they're hanging out with because that tells me more than anything what's happening in their life. And if they're making poor decisions and hanging around with that group of people, that tells me everything. It tells me I need to redouble my efforts as a parent. And then finally, availability, just being there for them. There's a myth called the myth of quality time. It's a total myth. The myth is, well, I'm not going to hang around my kids much. I'm not going to spend much time with them. But for that 15 minutes, it'll be like Disneyland. I'll be up and excited, and we'll go out to eat and read them a story, and it'll be, oh, wasn't that great? No, it wasn't great. What's great is the amount of time. It's like oxygen. You have to have a minimal amount needed to survive. What's great is time. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And that might mean that I'm not there. And if I'm not there, that might mean I've got to change my lifestyle. I might have to change where I work. I might have to change um, decisions I make. I might have to change uh, what I need for a budget. or I, I don't know what it's going to have to change. But I'm going to have to change it so I'm here a whole lot of time. Daddy's here. Mommy's here. So you can feel safe and secure because I'm here. We are God's children. Think about these six things. The Son right now in heaven is interceding for us. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. The Father has given us clear boundaries for our safety. Jesus gave us the ultimate example. The Father is always aware of what's happening in our lives. And the Spirit is always available to us. He's a good, good Father. Amen.